Good morning again, everybody. My name is Jason. I'm uh, one of the pastors on staff here, and I get the privilege to um, talk today. So um, we're in the middle of a series called Frequency, and we're talking about what it is to worship and what worship looks like. Um, it looks like that, that, that video of helping those children who, um, you know, lost things in a fire. That's what worship looks like. How good was that? Doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah. yeah? Everybody kind of got the warm kind of fuzzies during that video, how as part of this community, uh, some of you may have even given. Um, I know many, many did. Um, but even just being as part of this community, we're helping people and um, helping those who are in need um, physically. And, you know, part, part of who we are, really the core of who we are, is to help those who um, spiritually, you know, need a touch from God. Um, if they've been far away or if they don't know Jesus, um, that is why we exist. For those who are still out there who, you know, are, are searching and looking for the good news. Um, so today we're continuing our, our series called Frequency. I'm really just tuning in to, to what it means to worship and to um, live a life that is pleasing to God. Um, I was thinking about just a few seasons of my life, and I, 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 and I know this is true for everybody, but I've gone through a few times in my life where I have felt down. I'm sure everybody here has felt down at some point in your life, yes? And that's natural, that's normal, and, and that's okay. And sometimes, um, you know, this is to different degrees. Sometimes we go through really tough times where we're really down, you know, and, and sometimes it's because we've lost somebody or, you know, something bad has happened or, you know, just chemically we're having difficult times um, or we, we need to go and see a counselor and spend some time processing or whatever it is. But we go through, through different degrees um, of kind of that sadness times. And this has happened to me a couple times. And whenever that happens in in, in my case, it hasn't been extreme, and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, but whenever that happens, I have found my way out of those times by doing a couple things. Um, and it, it wasn't necessarily intentional, but I look back and I see during those times how doing these things led me out of that period in my life. And these two things, I think you'll identify with this as well. These two things, one thing is serving is serving others, helping people in need. Um, when we begin to take our, 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 you know, we're able to pick our eyes up and kind of look at what's going on around us and begin to help outside, all of a sudden we start feeling better inside. Has anybody experienced that before? Um, I mean, just we just literally saw that on the screen. We all felt good when we heard that. Um, even if we weren't involved in that or not, that's, that's just the way it is. We are wired that way. We are wired to, in God's image, to care for those outside of, of us. My, my pastor um, in Dallas that we, for, for many years, he, he would over and over again say, stop looking, stop navel gazing, stop looking at your navel, pick your eyes up and look out. There are needs all around us. And that's so true, isn't it? I mean, if we just... Stop looking at our stuff. And, and this is true for most cases. Sometimes it, the, 
the, you know, um, going through difficult times is part of what God's doing in us. But if usually we just pick our eyes up and stop navel-gazing, right, and see that there's so many needs around us, we can make a difference. And in making a difference, we feel good. Second one, and most important, really, this should come first, but sometimes it doesn't, is to reconnect with God. Um, often, I know for me, when I'm, I start feeling down, that's a red flag for me, saying, okay, maybe something's not right in, in how I am relating to the King of Kings, to my Creator, to my Father. Um, and I, I need to examine that and take a look and say, okay, God, what are you, what's going on? Why is my soul longing for something that it's not get, that's not being met? Why is there this deep yearning inside of me for more? What is going on? And that's when we have to go back to God and ask him some questions. So we're talking about frequency. The, the, don't you love the, the, uh, the old, old style radio where you got to turn the knob, you know, to kind of tune in to what God's doing, get, hitting that frequency. I know when we're driving um, from our house, which is over on the other side of town about an hour, we're driving down 400, cross 285, and then back up 75. If we're listening to this one station, you actually have to switch stations to, as you're going to tune back into the same station because it goes from one whatever. I don't know how this works. I don't know. Yeah. One frequency to another frequency, right? And so you've actually got to switch to tune back in to get your music as you're, as you're driving uh, from one side of town to the other. Um, and so we're talking about frequency, how to tune in to God, how to tune into hearing God, to knowing God, to seeing what God's doing, to joining God in what he's doing. That's all worship, right? So we, in, in doing this, one of the, the main things, the way we tune into God is that we, we, we re, either renew or we repent or we reconnect with who God is, with what he's doing, and, and how he's moving in our lives. And that's not always easy, is it? The repent part should be easy, but our pride gets in the way. But a lot of times it's hard to reconnect with God. It's hard to, to, to get in that kind of place where you really feel and you're hearing and, you know, you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, and, and you feel that God is close in there. I've got a, uh, I'm going to ask a couple of people to come up. Kevin, uh, Stephen, would you guys come up? I, I want to I play a little game, and um, hopefully this can shed some light on what, what we're talking about here. Who knows? Maybe it'll just be fun, one or the other. But um, you get the headphones. This game is called Whisper. Anybody, anybody seen this game? It's been on some talk show hosts. We got a couple hands, some young people, exactly. Um, it's been on some of the talk show hosts been doing it, some um, you know, famous people in Hollywood. What, what happens, so this is you. Oh no, my music is, hopefully it'll come up because it's been working like every time. I've checked it five times. Um, what happens is we're, we've given Kevin some headphones um, and he is going to listen to some music really loud in his ears. Um, is it working? Okay. So we got some, no, he can't right now. We got some Foo Fighters going, right? And he's going to be listening to, to that in, in these headphones. He cannot hear anything. I've tested it. 
He can't hear anything. I want you guys to kind of turn a little towards the audience, but you're going to have to look at each other when you talk. Okay, so he can't hear anything. Stephen's going to read some preset cards to Kevin. Kevin's going to try to say what he said back. And we're going to do this a couple times. We'll go around, and it should be funny. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, here you go. And you got yours. Are you ready? Is it loud? What? Obviously. Okay, you good? You can't hear him? You can't hear me? Hello. Hello. Okay. You can't hear him? I can, no, I can't okay, hear him at all. He can't That's hear him loud. at all. We got this deal. All right. <laughs> this be the best Here thing ever. First question. Four score. <laughs> First question. Okay. Number one. Number one. Do penguins get cold toes? I saw do. Okay, we're going to give, give another try, and then you got to go for it. All right. Do penguins get cold toes? What do you got? Do pregame something else. Okay, all right, do pregame. I have no okay. clue where that it's, was. Do penguins get cold toes? Oh, yeah. Right. Of, yeah. Course. Of, course of course they do. Of course, of course. they do. All right. All right, yeah. next one. Obviously. All right, number two. Oh, number two. You'll appreciate this. Number two. Number two. Kevin's sock game is always strong. It's true. Do you like to stroll down the mountain on a bike? <laughs> if you don't know him, his, his gloves and his socks, they always match. All right, second round. Here we go. Kevin's sock game is always strong. You like to always eat chicken. <laughs> so close. Kevin's sock, any word? Kevin's yeah. sock game no is word? always strong. Kevin's sock game is always strong. Really? Yeah. Let's see him. Today we're waiting. Oh, today. Okay, hey, hey. I did <laughs> I mean, this for you. Hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do appreciate that. Okay. okay, number three. All right, number three. I just... The, the secret of life is 42. Somebody is 42. Close. Okay, okay, one more try. Take two. The secret of life is 42. What is the origin of the word? <laughs> Freak. Nice. I, the secret of life is 42. I didn't know that, actually. I, I saw 42, realize. though. Yeah, if you didn't know that, now you do. The secret of life is 42. Which one do I go with? This one? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Give them a hand. Well done. Nicely done. So... Hearing the voice of God, sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes there's a lot of noise. Sometimes we're so busy, we're distracted. There's so many things happening in our lives that we cannot hear anything that is being said. Or, or we can't, you know, sense the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's like we walk around with blinders on or, or with headphones on and we can't hear a thing of what God is speaking to us of what he's calling us to do, of where he's leading and guiding us. Sometimes we've got to 
settle our spirits down and listen and, and, and sense and reconnect. And a big way to do that is to repent. Um, and we all need, repentance is a one-time thing. It's not like we repent and then we're good. Um, Paul in Romans addresses that over and over again. We, ha- we have to turn to God and seek with everything we have after him. So another, so that's how we, we tune in. And then I was thinking, okay, if we tune in, then what? What do we need to do to really get a strong signal? We need to boost the signal, right? We need a long antenna. Have you ever seen those trucks with like the eight, 10-foot antennas hanging up? Anybody seen? Those are incredible. I used to see them all the time when I would drive um, from um, L.A. To, to the, through the Mojave Desert. And because they're out on the sand dunes, they've got these large antennas. They're, they're four-wheeling off-roading. And, you know, they want to be able to get the signals of, of everybody around. So they've got these huge antennas. The, our huge antenna is service. You know, is, is, is not putting ourselves first, but putting others first. That's a huge antenna. The, the scripture over and over and over exhorts us. Look around. Serve those around you. The body of Christ, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to use our giftings, everything God has given us, to build one another up. That's service. This is how we tune into God. This is how we worship, is by giving ourselves fully to him and then to those around us. So today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that I think is going to just awaken us and and really show us exactly what this looks like. Um, Paul uh, wrote wrote the book of Romans, and this is known as one of the greatest epistles ever written. He wrote to them um, in in the winter of around 60 AD, it's 57 to 58, most people think, on his third missionary journey. And he was in the city of Corinth, and he's, he's never visited them yet. But there's a strong, active church, that potentially a few churches by this time, that, that have both Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. And the, the church is doing well. He wasn't writing to correct some major issue going on in the church. What he did, is doing, he's writing because he hasn't personally been there. He's writing to lay some, some um, uh, theological strong foundations in that church to make sure they are believing the right things so that they will act the right way, okay? And the, he he's, he's really puts his heart and he puts his, basically, the, the foundation of the, his theology into to, to this epistle. And we're going to pick up in a minute at Romans 12. At Romans 12, there's this huge shift in what he's saying. And we're going we're gonna to take a look at that um, in just a minute. But before we do... Um, I, w- I want to read a couple quotes uh, about Romans. By, one's by Martin Luther. He says, This epistle is really the chief part of the New Testament and the very purest gospel, and is holy not only that, and is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word, okay, by heart, but occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. It can never be read or pondered too much, and the more it is, it is, and the more it is dealt with, 
the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. He loved this so much because the, the theological foundation of justification by faith was laid out in, in Romans. Um, so much is in there. Francis Schaeffer says this, it is the most remarkable production of the most remarkable man. I love that. It, it is his heart. It contains his theology, theoretical and practical, for which he lived and died. It gives the clearest and fullest exposition of the doctrines of sin and grace. It's, a, it's an amazing theological and practical book. It's actually the, the longest um, epistle of Paul's, and he just lays it all out. And we're going to pick up with Romans 12, 1, where there's this huge shift in what's being talked about. And it really, it's one of, it's one of the greatest verses along with several, I mean, there's, this thing is packed full. He, he talks about justification by faith. He gets into um, that, that the, the, the Jews and Gentiles and how they're, they're all um, under the same grace and mercy. He, there's just so much in here. This is, this is known as the Cathedral of Christian Faith by some. So we've got Paul writing to the Romans, longing to be there, laying this foundation. And the, if you know and have studied Paul's writings, you'll see that there's a, there's a pattern in how he writes. He writes the theological foundation, then he writes, here's how you should act. He writes, here's how you should believe, now here's what you should do, over and over and over again. And so that's a shift we're hitting in Romans 12. We see this shift from theological to praxis belief. Anybody ever heard that word praxis? It's integration of belief with behavior. I love that, praxis. Integration of belief with behavior. I had a professor that said over and over, I mean, he drilled this into us. He said over and over and over again. He said, theological studies without praxis belief is useless. Over and over and over. You can know it all. You can study it all. You can memorize the book of Romans. But if you don't apply it to your life and live it out, it doesn't matter. And Paul believed the same thing. First 11 chapters, laying theological foundations, justification by faith, salvation in Christ, mercy, grace, just laying the foundation. Romans 12, he shifts. He says, okay, now, here's how you apply it. Here's what you got to do. He goes, it's not enough to believe this. You've got to apply it to your life. And so here's where we pick up. Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, he says. That's how he starts. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. Now, you've probably heard this a million times. What's the therefore, therefore? The therefore is not just therefore the chapter 11 before, but all that has come before this, chapters 1 through 11. It's saying, now I've laid this foundation. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. And he uses a word here, urge. When you, when you go and look at different trans, translations and, and you know, kind of read a little bit about it, 
it's, it's really talking about him pleading with them. He's basically begging them, listen to me. I have just laid out some of the best writing and exhortation that I've ever done. Now, listen to me, because this is important, guys. I urge you, brothers and sisters, have you ever been in a situation where you've seen a friend of yours or a colleague or somebody kind of going down the wrong path? They're heading in a direction that that you're like, Okay, that is not going to end well. You can see it, right, from the outside. Sometimes you're in the middle of a situation. You can't see that this is not going to go well. I've done that a few times. But when you're standing outside or you're a little older or had life experience, you kind of look at this situation. You're like, okay, that's trouble, right? And that's my friend, and I need to do something about that. Anybody been there before? I know, I know a few of us have. There's, there's one particular case when we were in Australia where the, a, good, a good mate of mine, mate's what you say there, good friend of mine, right, mate? Um, a good friend of mine, he was just, you know, going down the wrong path. And it was, it was going to end not just bad for him, but bad for his family, bad for his kids. It was just, it was going to wreck his life. And you can see it. You can stand outside. I mean, if you knew him, you could see it happening. And I had to go and, and as a brother and plead with him. I, I didn't say, stop that, because what's that going to do, right? I mean, I'm your pastor. Stop that. No. I had to go up to him and plead with him. Please, this is not going to end well. Turn, reconnect with God. Go this direction, please. And thankfully he did. But this is what Paul's saying. He's like, okay, I've laid the foundation here. Now I'm begging you, live this way. And he's going to get into some really practical ways of how we are supposed to live based off of this. And this is really what we're talking about. This is worship. Today we worshiped God corporately, and that was great. I mean, I don't know about you, but I was renewed. I was like, yes, that was good. You know, it does something in you. But this is how we worship, day in and day out, practically living the gospel, serving Loving God, loving others. It's simple, but so difficult to, re- to remember to do every day because it, it, it means to pick up our cross and follow Jesus, right? Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, this is what he, what he just talked about in chapters 10 and 11, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. In view of God's mercy, not in view of potential eternal separation, not in view of condemnation or guilt or you have to, not in view of a whole bunch of rules and regulations, but in view of God's mercy, I'm pleading with you, 
brothers and sisters. In view of God's goodness, give all that you are. Offer your bodies, your whole self, everything you have as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Wow. Whew. That's crazy. That is so good. Thank you, Paul, for writing this. That this is how we worship God. This is how we tune in and connect and follow Jesus. Is we give ourselves completely to him. Not because we have to, but because of his goodness and his mercy that it was displayed to us. His, the grace of God that was, that was shown in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That he would give us his spirit so that we can live for him. In view of this, in view of God's mercy, give yourself wholly to God. And then he goes on. He gets, he's going to dive, he's going to go another, he's going to keep going. He's going to go deeper. Ready? Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. When he says transformed, this, he uses, a, there, in some commentaries, I don't read Greek yet. He uses a, a, a Greek word that, that also is used in talking about transfiguration. That we be transformed, that we be made new, that we would be made holy and righteous. That's, that's good. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Don't live like everybody else, right? Like Amy was saying up here, we live differently, opposite. The, script, the, the Bible says, love our enemies. Forgive those who have hurt us. This is worship. By renewing your mind, by believing, that's why he laid the foundation of the, the, theology, the first 11 chapters. We need to, to believe the right things. We need to renew our mind. We need to take in the scripture let it transform us. Let it make us think different, see different. If we will, what will happen? If we allow it to not just be information, but we allow it to change the way we think and we see the world and we believe about people, then we will act differently. Let it renew our mind. Then, and here it is, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if we will believe right, if we will renew our mind, we will be able to hear the voice of God. We'll be able to reconnect and connect with God. We'll be able to tune in to what he's doing, and we will be able to know, we will know what the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God is. We'll be able to walk in his spirit to walk in what he's doing. Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Give yourself wholly to him. Change the way you think, the way you, you see it, by allowing the scripture to come in and, and, and the, the words of God and the truth of God 
to, to not just believe it, but to transform the way you think and, and look at the world around us. Then he keeps going. He's, verse 3, he says, don't think too highly of yourselves. Yeah, he's just going to give them a good punch. Don't think too highly of yourselves. I mean, even when I'm trying not to think highly of myself, I think too highly of myself. I know I do. I, it's like, this is impossible. But what he's saying is, fully give yourself to God. Stop worrying about yourself and what's going on because tomorrow has enough troubles, the scripture says. God, God will never leave you or forsake you. He, he has a good, perfect, and pleasing will for you. Put, put the other stuff aside. Verse 9 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. This is sacrificial worship. And that's what we're talking about today. Sacrifice in worship. Worship, part of worship is sacrifice, that we would give ourselves fully to God. Verse 14 says, bless those, same chapter, chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's got to be the disposition of our heart, the position that we put ourselves in light of who God is. It doesn't mean we think terrible about ourselves. No, we're a child of God. It, it means we recognize that everybody around us, that God died for them too and loves them and they have worth and that we, we honor them and give that to them by serving and loving and putting them above ourselves doesn't diminish us. Mark, 4, Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. The gospel of Jesus Christ, we see clearly laid out in Romans, has four main elements. Those four elements is grace, faith, salvation, and works. Grace, faith, salvation, and works. Okay? Steve Merle wrote, wrote this the other day. He said, The good news becomes fake news when these four components are misapplied or misunderstood. Grace, faith, salvation, and works. We have to get those in the right order. Or... We, we hit some of the major um, areas where people have gone wrong through, throughout history. Legalism is grace plus faith plus works equals salvation. Grace plus faith plus works equals salvation. Nobody wants that. That's, that is fake news. And, and this fake news is destructive. It's not, it will, will ruin your life and the people's lives around you if you try to hold everybody to a legalistic 
mindset and way of, of faith in religion. Antinomianism. I just slurred that one. Forgive me. Grace, faith, minus works equals salvation. It, it, it holds that we are justified by faith alone, right? But not by faith that is alone. That's the opposite. It, it says we're justified by faith alone. But we are, we are justified by faith, but it's not alone. And some of you are like, whoa, hold on a second here. Is that, are we doing heresy? Aren't we justified by faith alone? Yes, you are. But not completely alone. I'm going to give you the good news. The good news is grace plus faith equals salvation plus works. Grace and faith alone is how you are saved. But out of being saved, because of his mercies, in light of what he has done, because of his goodness and his mercy and grace in our lives, flows out of our salvation. Works. Works that have been prepared in advance, the scripture says. We, we can't get this wrong. We have to realize that we are saved not just for ourselves, but for all those around us. That worship is serving. That worship is giving of ourselves and seeing other people's lives made better and other people come to know the goodness of God. I'm gonna pray for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you for your mercy and your grace in our lives. You said in John 14, you said, anyone who loves me, will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and will, will, and will come to them and, will make, and we will make our home in them. Lord, I thank you that not only did you die for us, God, but you come and live in us, that you empower us, that you fill us with your spirit so that we can, can not just be saved, but God, we can live like you lived. Lord, and we can be used by you in a powerful way. God, that's our heart's desire. Lord, that this belief, Lord, would become practice, would become practical, would become action. God, that we would not just have theological belief, but we'd have praxis belief in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.